Hi, this is Talking Digital Industries, the podcast for technologies and trends that drive industrial enterprises. And I'm your host, Chris Brow. Now, today I have a special episode for you. I was recently invited to moderate the Digital Enterprise Virtual Summit from Siemens, which is a major online event with more than 6,000 live participants from around the world. And the topic was how to adapt to a rapidly changing world. How can industrial companies react to the new conditions created by the corona crisis? And how can production become more flexible and safer despite constantly changing marketing customer requirements? Questions and questions that concern many of us. Then they were hotly debated at the summit with representatives from various regions and industries. Now, our episode today is a special collection of personal highlights from this virtual gathering of industry leaders. You curious? Well, I hope so. Here we go. A few months ago, a virus turned the world upside down. Literally everything. Our everyday lives, our work, our economy. In many countries, industry was hit hard and by surprise, including major companies like Siemens. Klaus Helmlich, Siemens Managing Board Member and CEO of Siemens Digital Industries, puts it in a nutshell. I think uh, industry has never been seen such a crisis mm. like we have today. Mm. Internally of Siemens and of course outside of Siemens. Mm. The first initiative what we took was what can we do to secure the safety of our employees. Mm -hmm. So we immediately switched to home office places. Mm -hmm. We connected thousands, 10,000 of employees with the home office. Mm -hmm. In the factory, we implemented completely new workspace systematic. Mm -hmm. And with both activities, we were able to keep our operations running mm -hmm. and running for our customers. Mm -hmm. And within the industry, how important it is to show flexibility. In some cases, for example, in China, where the Chinese customer came to us to say, we need an immediate support from you to design a completely new robot for disinfection. Or in mm -hmm. Spain, Portugal, we received a requirement to help the customer to design a ventilator in a very short time frame. So companies worldwide across all industries suddenly had to deal with totally new and different challenges. Some had to ramp up their production virtually overnight, while others had to ramp down or even completely shut down production within a short time. But let the protagonists speak for themselves and hear about the challenges they encountered. What first started just as a complete stop, you know, from um, supply point of view, very rapidly became as a rapid stop from a uh, demand point of view. So we saw our sales just plummet in the end of uh, as, uh, March. Some things are up, some things are down. Where we see things going up is, for instance, where governments are going in, you know, very heavy in China, where wind, uh, energy, and other trucks with new uh, uh, emission rules and so forth. But even in China, where the underlying demand is based on exports, etc., things are still very slow. Very similar to what Klaus just, Klaus just said, we have done exactly the same. You know, it's about keeping the, the business running and, and very rapidly adapting your supply situation to the real demand situation. That's been one challenge for us. But we've been successful, I think, good in, in keeping our factories open and doing very similar things like Klaus mentioned, you know, 
getting really this, the stuff needed to support society on the COVID. But what is more and more coming out as one of our major challenges is we see this digitalization, just like, like Klaus said, changing. Now we need to accelerate how we can get, take these tools that we have now sort of hard tested with how to interact with customers without actually physically be there and roll them out globally. And I think the big difficulty now is on one hand, reduce, adapt yourself to the new reality as far as where the volumes are, but accelerate the technology changes that will actually enable you to be profitable in the future. That was Alrik Danielsson, CEO of SKF, a Swedish manufacturer of bearings. Wow. How do you get out of such a critical situation? How do you stabilize your business in the face of this completely unexpected challenge? I think this analysis by Jan Mosik, Chief Operation Officer at Siemens Digital Industries, right to the point. Just listen. So COVID, to some extent, has left a lot of dents in the industrial environment, and a lot of companies had to adjust to the current situation. Now, since the adjustments are mainly done, we are now in a situation to consolidate, to increase our production again, to at least get ready for additional demand, to um, also um, make our production more resilient. And in order to do this and achieve these requirements, we of course need an automation and a digitalization background. So that's the basis for everything. But we also need, because automation and digitalization create lots of data technologies that are cutting edge in order to analyze these data and make sure that they're being made use of. Automation, digitalization, got it. But Jan just mentioned cutting edge. And I asked myself, what's that about exactly? What is cutting edge and what technologies are we talking about? So let's listen closer. And a major topic and a major stream that our industry is going to go is industrial edge. Very, very often it's required to crunch data and analyze them quite close to the machines. This is sometimes being done via industrial PCs, but an edge system brings much more advantages. One can maintain and manage applications and devices very centrally from an edge system. The runtime is secure via Docker-based uh, uh, technology. Applications can be brought in and ecosystems can be built. So next topic that is an extremely exciting one is additive manufacturing as a new technology that has a whole lot of benefits and fascinating opportunities. It provides and enables most efficient designs and processes that are more efficient than conventional manufacturing methods. Additive manufacturing allows for designs that have never been thought of in different environments, like lightweight, fewer materials, also less energy consumption is a strike, are striking advantages of additive manufacturing. And parts can be individually and in lot size one built somewhere in the world where a 3D printer is available so that goods can be brought on site without big logistics, but just be printed around the corner. Now, as Jan said, additive manufacturing is an extremely fascinating topic, and there was a very good discussion about mass customization enabled by additive manufacturing with Carsten Häuser and Julian Waldmann from Siemens. Since there were many audience questions addressed to the panel, including some very concrete, where can I buy this, inquiries, I decided to ask Julian about this when I ran into him later that day. 
Julian, thanks for taking the time to answer the questions. Can you quickly summarize your talk? Yes, thank you very much, Chris. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you and, of course, answer the questions of our customers. So our talk was about how additive manufacturing can boost mass customization, meaning the manufacturing of individualized products, lot size one, in large production volumes. For this, we have teamed up with Hexa and EOS. So EOS is one of the leading producers of industrial additive manufacturing solutions. And Hexa is actually the st a startup company based in London who offers individualized bicycle helmets based on scan data of your head. So in a nutshell, we showcased how the digital enterprise portfolio can help to scale this application from a few thousand helmets per year into serial production by reducing costs along the entire value chain. Hey, I definitely want one of those helmets. And I think many participants had the same reaction in the live chat. And I also like this question. One of our listeners wanted to know how the scanning works for people with long hair. Well, which wouldn't be a problem for me, but that's a different story. Julian. Yeah, that's a good question, Ben. Actually, the, the scanning process is not that different. So in case you've watched the, the Enterprise Summit, you have, might have seen Christina wearing a beautiful swim cap. So in order to perform the scanning process, you have to wear some kind of swim or scanning cap. And the cap ensures that the shape of your head is perfectly approximated and offers, due to its uh, color, enough contrast so that the camera of your mobile phone can actually perform the scanning process. So you can basically get an individualized helmet with all kinds of fancy hairstyles. Thanks for your answers, Julian, and a glimpse behind the scene. If you'd like more details here, just check out earlier episodes in our Talking Digital Industries podcast on additive manufacturing, but also covering other cutting-edge technologies like edge computing, AI, or industrial 5G. So tune in if you like, because now I'd like to turn to another favorite discussion I heard about, food and drinks. And yes, there were times when I was really concerned that I wouldn't be able to get my favorite coffee anymore, or, you know, we couldn't bake our favorite cake during Easter season, Easter holiday. I mean, it was right in the middle of it, right? Uh, you weren't able to get yeast at the supermarket. So I bet we all experienced similar situations, and this clearly showed how vital the food and beverage industry is and what happens when customer demand changes so suddenly and unexpectedly. Or like these gentlemen put it. I think by now we all understood how critical food and beverage industry is. Mm -hmm. Imagine we would go to the grocery store and would have seen just the shelves like toilet paper a couple of months ago, right? <laughs> So I think what we've done and learned, we did a lot of uh, grocery shopping, you know, Magnus? And did you gain a little weight on that? Probably did, probably. But luckily for us, Beach 2020 has been postponed to next year. So I think we're <laughs> in good shape at the end of the day. <laughs> and nevertheless, that we see that the products don't change in the shelves, but it's constantly improving products from development, really, to our consumer and to the grocery store by having less sugar, more healthy food and so on. So that drives lower batch sizes and lower batch sizes and cleaning between the batches and so on. That is a challenge in the industry, how to handle that at the same time maintaining the cost position. Also, what the consumers are more interested in is 
is it what I'm buying? Is it really coming from the areas that I, that I expect, the ingredients and so on? So that's track and trace. The QR code gets more and more important. So we have this information in silos. We need it now as a holistic approach available for the consumers. That is a challenge. As well as the environmental impact of a company, of a brand that is more and more important. Uh, is it reducing waste? Is it reducing packaging materials? How do we do that in the future and how can digitalization help? That was Kai Schneiderwind, head of Siemens Industry Food and Beverages, and Magnus Edholm, head of Siemens Digital Enterprise Marketing. Together with both of them, I got some very interesting information from a Swiss food and beverage entrepreneur who's right in the midst of his company's digital transformation. He neatly explained how he managed to keep his production up and running during the pandemic and how he's reacting to ever-changing demands and circumstances. I'm Michael. I'm CEO and owner of Swiss Can Machinery. I run this company together with my brother. We are manufacturing can filling and seaming machines, mainly for baby food and milk powder. Fortunately, up to now, we've managed it quite well because we have mostly local sourcing for our mechanical parts. So we do this since the beginning, not only because of COVID, but because of quality and uh, short distances. And uh, the other thing is we have on all machines a remote control and uh, via MindSphere and uh, via the normal connection, we could um, manage to give support to the customers Uh, even without being physically there. We have this possibility since long time, but I think since this COVID crisis, uh, customers are also using it more because there is simply no other possibility. Knowing that you uh, have brought your company on the path to digitalization, and digitalization is surely more than just uh, making sure that the virtual world talk with the real world or combining software and automation, Uh, it's also about people. How have the people perceived or taken on the challenges and perhaps also the opportunities with digitalization? Since the beginning, we have um, developed our machines virtually. Our company is now still, yeah, or already seven, seven years old, but we consequently developed everything digitally. So people which are working here know that process from the beginning. But still, uh, we have to keep the, the people on board because the development is really going fast. But we have a, a good team and uh, I think it's uh, implemented in, in everybody that this is our way. So uh, we have to keep uh, the thinking of the people like this. But up to now, it works quite well. Yeah, and I think uh, what you mentioned is one thing is uh, doing it virtually and building more machines. The machines are getting better, but also with MindSphere getting machine data, maybe now easier from end customers or machines that are at the location of end customers. How can you say or how can you say you benefit from also this machine data? You're getting analytics uh, back to the design uh, for the future of your machines and being more competitive. I think this is a good point. We have started with this mind sphere, but uh, uh, we are still continuing the development because there is more data and especially more data combined with actual developments of the machine, which have to, to merge together and the, the operation of the machine together with this data. We are, we are on, a, on a good way together with, um, with physical visits, this data, and um, the, let's say, normal development we have, 
uh, I think we try to do our best to develop with each step uh, a better machine. And also getting this machine uh, faster to the customer and maybe also faster installed. Is there any examples that you can mention on that, how you do that? Uh, we just started this year with the virtual commissioning with the MCD software from, from Siemens. So this will be the next step forward for us, not only for a, for a more efficient development and a faster uh, time to the market, uh, but also to have the possibility to, to make the machine without having the physical machine there. Uh, it's, a, it's a good advantage and we have been, um, I think, more than 20 or 30 percent more efficient in the development of the machine thanks to this virtual commissioning. Some great insights, in my opinion, about the food and beverage industry. But now let me turn to an industry that really grabs my attention under the current circumstances. I'm talking, of course, about the pharmaceutical industry. And the challenges here are enormous. New diseases, urgent calls for new medications, growing competition, and the demand for new vaccines. Here are my favorite quotes by Rebecca Wangenechten, head of Siemens Pharma Business. Starting with explaining to you the industry drivers, um, which is first and foremost getting new products rightly out in the market so time to market as we call it um, we see that this is more important than ever before mainly because obviously pharmaceutical companies want to help the patient population but also because of financial reasons as long as products can be commercialized that means that these companies can make more out of the patent life cycle so a lot of the portfolio that Siemens is developing in the um, past years is all around how to accelerate um, that process from R&D to manufacturing of course, doing all of that in a highly strictly regulated environment where quality is the number one topic that we need to be focused on and regulations and innovation usually don't go well together. Um, and that's where we try nevertheless um, with innovations that take care of these uh, regulatory barriers, if you like, um, to still introduce topics around digitalization. And even more so, we can say that we can increase quality and we can increase process know-how through means of innovation. And I will give you a few examples of that later. Corona has definitely accelerated the acceptance of new technologies. And I think um, one of those is around um, digitalization, but in all aspects, digitalization um, amongst other companies, even collaboration. We see collaboration in the pharmaceutical industry nowadays, even with competitors. Um, sharing data, sharing information on platforms, so to make sure that they're not making the same mistakes twice. If they mm -hmm. have found out that a particular molecule is not going to be successful, then why not share that knowledge and that insight? Um, so that is, for me, definitely a key takeaway from this crisis is that digitalization amongst collaboration platforms, but also other ways of digitalization, be it artificial intelligence, etc., that they have proven their value for the pharmaceutical industry and therefore are probably going to become much more mainstream than what they used to be. So innovation, collaboration, and digitalization seem to be the way to accelerate pharmaceutical production. Those are just a few interesting examples of specific industries that are especially important for all of us and how they are coping with a major global crisis in completely new circumstances. 
and they demonstrate why digitalization plays such a key role in mastering these challenges. My personal conclusion from the summit, it's virtually impossible to face and master the challenges caused by the pandemic on one's own. And this reality is perfectly echoed by the motto of the summit, partnering for the next step. Klaus, do you agree? Absolutely. I believe it is so important that we can combine the vertical know-how and experience of our customers mm -hmm. with our software control and edge technology to an open ecosystem mm -hmm. so that the customers can build in their skills, their know-how to provide for the end customer a solution. So our intention, our strategy is clearly that we build the right and innovative platform that our customers are using to build in their know-how and skills to the best solutions they can offer in the worldwide marketplaces. Our thanks again to Klaus Helmrich, CEO of Siemens Digital Industries, and to all the other contributors to this special edition of our industry podcast series. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to know more, here's where you can find further information. You can watch the entire virtual event on demand at our convenience at www.siemens.com slash digital minus enterprise minus summit. And well, as I said, I'll be there on video. So, hey, this might be the first time we actually get to see each other. I'm looking forward on that. If you have specific questions about a topic or a technology, you can also contact the experts at the page I just mentioned. So a big thank you for listening. And after a short European summer break, we'll be looking forward to getting together with you again in our next episode. This is Talking Digital Industries. I'm Chris Brow, and join us again soon.